Well, you've reached Vernon First Baptist Church once again, and we are continuing in our series in Hebrews. And during Lent, we're going to be looking at Hebrews 11, at the heroes of the faith. So we're getting a sermon today on an introduction to that. So what does it mean by faith? That's repeated so many times through this. What is real faith and how do we have it in this day and age? We have special guest Curios, our gap year program as part of our denomination that we're visiting with us and they are going to do our scripture reading at the start. So I turn it over to them as we head into today's sermon, Real Faith. We'll be reading the scripture from Hebrews 11, um, 1 to 3 to 32 to 40. Um, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Barak, Samson, and Jephthah. About David. And Samuel and the prophets. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins. Destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains. Living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us. So So that that only together together with with us would they be made perfect. The word of the Lord. Way to press through there. I know one microphone wasn't really working properly, but that's all right. We uh, turn to the Word at this time. So if you haven't yet, I encourage you to turn to Hebrews 11. Great job on that reading. I just sprung that on them yesterday, and they were up for it. They said, oh, yeah, we'll do it. Eager. Next time, it's some of you. Next time. We'll see. Uh, Hebrews, of course, is right near the end of your Bible. Maybe you're online and watching and you haven't opened up one of these, or maybe you have an app, and then you can just type in Hebrews, and it comes up for you. However you turn, I encourage you to turn there. Now, for those of you, I know our Korean uh, brothers and sisters, uh, we have a translation copy. That was wonderful. That was their idea, to be able to translate that story, which I think is so meaningful, to be able to translate that for our Korean brothers and sisters. Of course, they have a translation Uh, written down a transcript of the sermon and I've truncated that a little bit as uh, time I'm so glad we've given that time but just so you know you'll have to skip ahead a couple times in there you may have heard the story of the Nobel Prize winner an old pastor and a boy scout that were flying across the Atlantic when the pilot came bursting through the door and announced, we've lost both engines. 
There's only three parachutes. Are you doing the math? There's only three parachutes on the plane. I only just received my pilot's license last month, and I have to serve a lot of people. I simply have to live. So he grabbed one of the parachutes, and he jumped. He jumped out of the plane. Well, the Nobel Prize winner, he said, well, just last week I received the prize for being the smartest man on earth. I have a lot of work to do for mankind. Sorry, I also have to live. So he grabbed a pack and he jumped. The pastor turned to the boy. I can't remember if it was Carl or Lori who was on that plane, which, which one it was. But Son, I have lived a long life. I have put my faith in what Jesus has done for me. And I know for certain that when I die, I will be with him. You are young and have your whole life ahead of you. You take the last parachute and you jump. Well, not to worry, sir, the boy replied. There's still two chutes left. The smartest man in the world just jumped with my backpack. <laughs> so let me ask you today, can I ask you what you are putting your faith in? Will it hold up? Is your faith a real faith? A true, substantial faith? Now there's no question in my mind that our hearts have been weighed down these last few weeks by what's going on over in Europe. We see it on the TV in our social media feed. There's no question in my mind to the evil that is behind Russia's motives or the courage of the Ukrainian people to stand up against it. Eh? Amazing. What many thought was going to be a two-day invasion led to a much longer standoff with incredible feats of bravery, hope, and faith. Maybe you've heard of Anatoly, a 20 six-year-old member of the Irpin Bible Church. It's in a suburb. Irpin's a suburb of Kiev. Now, how many times have, have you guys caught on to this use of the word Kiev instead of Kiev, like the Kiev chicken we always grew up cooking? Kiev is the Russian way to say the city's name. Kiev, or Kiev, if you want to get technical, is the Ukrainian way to say it. So when you hear them saying Kiev, it's out of respect for the Ukrainian people, saying this is the way you would pronounce it. So they pronounce it that way. So Anatoly is part of a, a church in a suburb of Kiev, in Irpin. And after evacuating his wife, Diana, and other family members to safety, he joined a church's skeleton crew on Friday. So this is a week and two days ago. Shelling began on that Saturday, and they were hustling out as many people as they could, crossing one of the, the, the bridges, getting through um, with the Ukrainian army. And the, the bridge had been damaged, actually, by the Ukrainian army to slow Russia's advance. But they were trying to get people through. And then he came back. He came back to, to help others. Again, and his, his last act on earth, actually, 
was to carry the suitcase of a young mother and her two children. Hurrying them across to safety, trying to avoid the Russian shelling. All four died when a bombshell landed in the middle of what would be their humanitarian, humanitarian corridor, their safe passage. Eight total died in that suburb of Kiev last Sunday. This is a week ago as Russian troops pressed in. His pastor, Mikola Romanuk, said, Anatoly was deeply spiritual, with a good Christian character. When he saw a need, he tried to help. One week ago today. The pastor went on to say, We miss him very much. It is a tragedy for his family and the church. God has a plan beyond our understanding, but it is difficult. Yeah. How do they have a faith to go on? What is their hope? For 10 chapters now, the book of Hebrews has been arguing the case that Jesus is our only sure Hope, the only one that's worth putting our trust and faith in, even if we cannot see the outcome. And now, over these next few weeks, we're going into chapter 11. The authors of this book are going to show us a long list, a long list of how this faith has been lived out among the heroes of the Old Testament, the Hebrew faith that they knew so well. These are early Jewish Christians. And you heard in the reading that there's a certain emphasis. Faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we do not see. Remember that these early Christians from the Hebrew faith were tempted to go back to the temple. Do you remember that? They wanted to go back to the temple rituals, the Mosaic law. These are the rules that they knew. They could see them. This was a covenant, something they could see. Following Jesus, on the other hand, for some of them, I'm sure, was a struggle. Being guided by the Holy Spirit, discerning the spirit of the law. Well, that can be hard sometimes. What, what laws are flexible? The, the rules, black and white, That can be so much easier at times. But this book, our authors of the book of Hebrews, continues to argue that faith is always something about the unseen. The King James Bible would say, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The New Living Translation says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. There's Two words here, confidence and assurance that come from Greek words. We're not going to take the time. You know I love to because there's a richness to it. We're not going to take the time today. But it really shows that this is the substance, the reality that we can truly put our assurance in. That's what they're trying to get through. Now, the Canucks. I know we were talking about the lions and the elks earlier, but the Canucks, sure, 
Anybody have a hope that they'll win the Stanley Cup? I see one hand. I see a half a hand. Oh, a quarter of a hand. A waving hand. Right. We can have a hope. There's a hope. There's a, it's, always, it's a possibility. But do we have faith now that they will even make the playoffs? No, maybe not. Do we believe that right now? I will say a win against the Islanders recently helps relieve some of that pain of losing to them in the finals. That's 40 years ago. 40 years ago. That's when they stole my heart. Can you believe that? Now, whereas our good friend Chuck Harper, you guys hung out with him yesterday, he will begin to rub in more and more as we get closer to the playoffs. He's a good friend and a hockey enemy because he cheers for his Calgary Flames. Boo. That's going to get a sign. And rightly so. Rightly so. They are they're, they're top of our division, second in the Western Conference. They're doing awesome, the Flames. My point being, he has faith now for a hope that is in his future. And his hope is a lot surer as a Flames fan than ours is as a Canucks fan right now. This is the point of our author. This is the point. Faith is being confident, having this confident belief now for what we hope will come true. Anatoly believed in something he could not see, but he had a sure hope that he could believe in now. So how do we find the strength to move forward in the midst of intense struggle? We're going through all sorts of struggles in our life these last two years. And now it's a struggle of, well, restrictions are being lifted. How is this going to look? Mental health has suffered immensely over these last two years. How do we have real faith in this? I want to look at three quick things here. That real faith does not deny the struggle we face. That it looks to the past in order to find hope for the future and that our real faith has to be in the Lord. So let's look at this first one. Real faith does not deny the struggle. We are living through an absolutely incredible an even terrible time. And just when we see this potential return to something uh, normal after this two-year worldwide pandemic, we're on the brink of World War III. What I love about the season of Lent, which we're in right now, is that it gives us permission, some time to enter into this struggle. It's not Easter yet. We don't celebrate him being risen, yes, of course, we can celebrate that every day. But Lent is a period of this 40 days of, of fasting, of pulling back. 40 days, that's not including the Sundays if you're adding them up from Ash Wednesday to Easter. Where Christians have traditionally focused on preparing for the Holy Week, for Good Friday and Easter. A little bit more intentional than usual. And Lent is a time when we can admit that we are in the wilderness, that we are in need of encouragement, that we can focus in on this, and perhaps this year more than any other, we can freely admit our tiredness, our weakness, our dryness. And it's not just that we are getting older. It's the weight of the world pressing down on us, the stress of life, and the enemy seeking to take us down in the midst of it all. Let's not discount that. This whole chapter, chapter 11, 
is full of those who had to have faith. And as it says, they wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. They did not receive what they had promised. Now they received some promises for sure, some of them, but there was this ultimate reality, this sure hope that they were looking forward to, that they would have to wait to find the fulfillment of in Jesus in their afterlife. And in the meantime, they wandered in deserts. They were stuck in a wilderness. And for each of them, I'm sure that was different at different times. And I think we all know what that feels like, don't we? To wander in the wilderness to a certain degree. To have to have faith during that time. To search for that hope. Jesus invites us to join him in the wilderness. The 40 days of Lent is based off of the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness. A time where he went away and faced temptation. Every day is not a feast day. Some days are filled with longing, pain, and struggle. And Lent, more than any time of the year, is a time where it is okay to admit it. Your doubts, your struggles, your own wilderness. It's because, because of the struggle that we must have faith and look for that assurance of hope. Anne Lamont writes, hope begins in the dark. Now, there's a majority of the Bible actually focuses on this. The Psalms, in fact, have, over half, have lament built in. Some say even two-thirds have this lament, this crying out of longing and struggle built right into them. I want you to listen to one from, uh, from David. David wrote in Psalm 69, I sink in the miry depths, where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out, calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail, looking for my God. And I've seen some of those images of Ukraine. Oh, they have it more than us. Absolutely. But we can't deny our own struggle. Maybe it's a spiritual dryness, an emotional one, social. And we don't need to deny our own struggle. In fact, real faith admits it. It also looks to the past to find the future hope. That's what we see time and time again here in chapter 11. That's why we have this whole book, in fact, for us to look back, it's not filled with fluff pieces, is it? Easy stories. We were cleaning out the Sunday school room and we found a, Noah, a Noah's Ark, a wooden boat that someone had built and a banner that looks so cutesy, you know? Noah's Ark. That's not a real cutesy story, is it? No. And this chapter just gives us a taste of what the people of God had to endure in the world. And now if you're listening today and, 
and you say, well, why do I need God then, Pastor? I can suffer well enough without God's help. Thank you very much. I get that. If the story of following Jesus, seeking after the God of the Bible, has been communicated to you in a way that, that you think once you follow Jesus, you'll have no more suffering, no pain, no struggle, then someone wasn't being very honest with you. Jesus was always honest. And though he's come to give us abundant life and a full life, he also said that in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. He acknowledges both. And we look to the past not to see how good everybody had it who followed God, but how good God was to those who had faith. Jesus came to meet us in the midst of this world, moved into the neighborhood to acknowledge our suffering, to be with us in it. And we see God show up time and time again throughout his story. Don't we? The, the reality, the substance, the true substance is that we believe Jesus holds us in the midst of whatever our struggle is. That's how they can do it in Ukraine. And that's how you can do it this week. Ultimately, real faith is found in the Lord. David continues his psalm saying this, But I pray to you, Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. The word sure is the Hebrew equivalent to one of our Greek words from our passage. So we can have faith in God that is a hope for a sure salvation. We can trust God today, even if what we hope for is too far ahead of us to truly grasp. It's a hope. We can have faith for it. This calling to trust God now and to see our faith as an assurance. This isn't a new theme, is it? Right back in Hebrews 3, we read that, but Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and we are his house if we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope of which we boast. We have something that we can rest our faith on. It's been 10 chapters of convincing these readers not to go back to the old ways, not to go back to sacrifices and, and the rules, that which they could see, the temple. And now here's a chapter showing them how even those people that they looked to and said, they held up as their heroes how they had to live by faith. That's what they're doing here in this argument. It's not a new thing. It's been time and time again. We read in verse 13 that all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were strangers, foreigners on earth. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Do you hear that sure hope? No matter what we're going through, going through what we're in right now, we have a sure hope. And over the next few weeks, we'll hear from 
a few speakers who will share some stories of faith from this chapter. I'm really looking forward to it. As we look back, as we look back, we can see there are plenty of times that God has used the struggle, the wilderness, to teach us what it means to have real faith. And if you remember, when the Israelites were wandering in the desert, God provided for their their needs through what? What did he give them every day? Yeah, manna. It means, what is this? What is this? Every day. Was it a feast? No. Did they get sick of it? Yes. If they hoarded it all up to save it for tomorrow, what happened? It molded. It rotted. they, They had to, day by day, Did they have a sure hope? Well, they were starting to doubt it, but yes, God was their sure hope, but they had to have faith day by day. And they had to learn to have real faith, an honest faith, that meant holding off for the feast for a bit, believing God will provide today with that sure hope that there will be a tomorrow. Now, my wife loves to cook. She's an incredible cook, and she can put on a feast Here's one of our feasts for our anniversary that we are in the backyard. And I'm already looking forward to Easter dinner. I'll tell you that. It's a sure hope that I have, one that I can put my faith in. And though we will have good meals before Easter, I'm sure, that will be a feast. That's sort of the next one I'm looking forward to. And I will hold back a bit until then before enjoying it. So I encourage you to take some time this Lenten season, this time before Easter, to sit in the wilderness, to sit in the hunger, to sit in the dryness. Sit there with Jesus. Ask him, what work are you wanting to do in me to cultivate a real faith, a faith that admits the struggle, a faith that can look back to the past and yet has a sure hope till tomorrow? Ask him how he may want to teach you about trusting him this Lent and wait expectantly for Resurrection Sunday and the new life that Jesus is offering you this year. Let's pray together and I'm going to invite our worship team to come up and we're going to sing some more. Let's pray. Lord, I ask your blessing on this unpacking of this passage. Lord, you know what's going on in each heart here. The pain, the struggle that we're going through. And it's not a surprise to you. We might find it hard to admit to ourselves, to others. But it's not a surprise to you, our dryness, our wilderness. Lord, teach us what it means that you meet us in that wilderness. That you're willing to sit there with us and teach us what it means to truly have a substance of faith and to put our sure hope in you. We pray this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Oh, so good. So good. I invite you to open your hands for a closing blessing and benediction. This is a symbol of receiving what God has for you. As you go from this service today, whether you're here in person or whether you're online, know that you have a sure hope. One that You don't have to deny the struggle you're going through, but you can have a real faith that Jesus meets you in it. 
to face all that comes your way for that sure hope to be made true. Go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.